Acts chapter 13, verses 44 through 52. Acts 13, beginning in verse 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women, and the chief men of the city raised up a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In our last study, the Apostle Paul laid out in very clear and concise terms the essential and utterly unique proposition of the Christian religion, justification by faith in Jesus Christ. He closed the sermon with a warning that even as accepting Christ as Savior and Lord was the sure path to peace with God and restoration to His kingdom, to reject Christ was a sure path to judgment and destruction. Luke reports that the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. And when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas. All of that sounds very encouraging, but the message of Christ takes time to ferment in the hearts of the hearers. And as it does, one's disposition toward it may change, either for the good or for the bad. Jesus had predicted this in his parable of the sower, when he said that in some hearts the word is received with gladness, but when trials come or when faithfulness comes into conflict with worldly riches and pride, the word is ultimately rejected. But in good and honest hearts, the word received bears fruit, and sometimes the fruit is unimaginably plentiful. Verse 44 continues, on the next Sabbath, that is, the next time that the synagogue would meet for worship and instruction in the Scripture, although the previous verses indicate that Paul and Barnabas had been busy all week in private conversation and study, and that's evident when the synagogue service rolls around and almost the whole city came together to hear the Word of God. This is generally thought to be a hyperbole or an exaggeration for the point of emphasis but I want to make a brief statement here as a cautionary observation for Bible readers and especially for Bible teachers. When you come across a word or a statement that you feel the need to explain away and dismiss from a rigid, literal interpretation, 
just be careful that you do not dismiss it so quickly that you miss the reason why it was employed by the Holy Spirit to begin with. Even when an expression is figurative, it has a real meaning that must be apprehended if we are to get what the Scripture is truly saying. So whether or not this statement is rigidly literal in terms of mathematical equation, the Spirit used it to inform us that a massive number of people were moved to interest in the gospel of Christ based on the thing Paul said the previous Sabbath and which Paul and Barnabas had been sharing over the previous week. And their interest was not merely superficial. They understood at least to some degree the gravity of these things because Luke says they came together to hear the word of God. That is, they came in the conviction that what they were hearing was divine in origin and eternal in significance. Verse 45. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. The synagogue predated the visit of Paul and Barnabas, and while the rulers and local rabbis were at first honored to have them and to invite them to speak at the service, their consistent weekly gatherings had never generated this kind of interest when it was one of them offering a homily or an exposition of the scripture. There are few feelings more antagonistic to the promotion of the kingdom of God than envy. The kingdom of God and the whole of the Christian message is utterly God-centered and God-focused. This is why we have not seen any envy or bitterness in Barnabas during this time when Paul has moved into the more prominent position as speaker and leader of the mission. Envy is utterly self-focused and self-centered and it reflects a complete blindness to the glory and excellency of Christ. If we could see Christ for who he really is, our only response would be to take the crown off our head and cast it at his feet and say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, woe is me, I am undone, you alone are worthy. But these men did not know Christ. And because of the dispositions of their hearts, they were not interested in knowing him or allowing him to be known among their constituents or their community. So Luke says they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Luke makes three charges against these people who he calls the Jews, although this does not necessarily mean all the Jews but it would imply that most of them were involved. There may not be much difference between contradicting and opposing the things spoken by Paul, but if there is, it might mean that they were trying to argue with the Scripture that what he had said about the Christ and about the inability of the law of Moses to justify a sinner were wrong. And furthermore, they were working to convince the people not to listen to Paul and perhaps to get him banned from the synagogue. But most striking is that Luke says they were blaspheming. Being devout Jews, this would not mean that they were cursing God or using obscene or profane language about him. At least they would not have seen it that way. But they were probably cursing and using profane expressions about Jesus, and certainly about the apostles. And because Jesus is God and the apostles were speaking by the Holy Spirit of God, 
then it was all the same as if they blasphemed Yahweh. In fact, that is precisely who they were opposing and attacking in their words. Verse 46, Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold. Generally, Luke tells us when the Spirit would come upon the apostles and Christian workers, so the meaning here may be that from their own personal devotion to Jesus, they were filled up with righteous indignation to hear him evil spoken against, and they became fearless, thoughtless of their own well-being, and determined to promote the dignity and honor of the Lord, and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. This is the conviction that brought them first to the synagogue, and it was based on the work and promises of God throughout history that culminated in the church beginning in Jerusalem. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold. We're going to talk about the first part of this sentence in just a moment, but it leads up to this important word, behold. This is a word that calls for silence and serious reflection. Something very surprising is about to be announced. And if we are not attentive to it, we might miss it because we never would have expected it. Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Paul's life and teaching will bear out that this was not an absolute rejection of the Jews. But the point was that if the Jews in the synagogue were not interested in the truth Paul taught them, the truth was not going to change, so Paul would offer it to someone else. And he reaffirms the message of justification by faith, namely that the gospel of Christ is as powerful for the Gentile who does not keep the law of Moses as it is for the Jew who does. Verse 47, For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. This is a citation from Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6, which in full reads, Indeed, he says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the uttermost parts of the earth. In the original context, these words were spoken to the servant of the Lord. Some readers have understood the servant to be Israel itself, but the apostles identify the servant as Jesus Christ. And here, Paul takes the command to Jesus as a command to himself and to his brethren. Of course, this should not surprise us because Paul says that we are the body of Christ. We are his flesh and his bones, his continuing presence at work in his name in the world. However, the major point is that here again, Paul can take what the Jews might have perceived as something scandalous and discrediting toward Jesus or the Christian movement and show that it is in fact in perfect keeping with the revelation of God through the ancient prophets. Verse 48, Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. That phrase, as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed, is a favorite text for those who are called Calvinists or advocates of Reformed theology, because it seems to teach their doctrine 
that certain individuals have been chosen for salvation before time, and that when a person comes to faith in Christ, it is only because God had elected that person to that destiny. I do not believe that is what the passage means. The statement about the Gentiles is in contrast to the earlier statement about the Jews, and we will understand them both better if we consider them together. Luke said, The Jews were filled with envy, and contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas said, Since you reject the word of God and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. So we have two contrasting responses to the preaching of the word of God and two contrasting results. The Jews would scarcely listen to the word because of their pride and envy, and they contradicted, blasphemed, and opposed the things that they did hear. The Gentiles, on the other hand, were glad by the things they heard because they listened carefully, and they glorified the word of the Lord. That's the opposite of blaspheming. They exalted the things the apostles preached as wonderful and worthy of all acceptance. Paul says that the Jews, in the way they responded, judged themselves unworthy of everlasting life. That's an interesting statement in and of itself. Does it mean that some people are worthy of everlasting life? Would that not contradict the very heart of Paul's earlier preaching of justification by faith? There's no reason for us to take the phrase that way. The meaning is that God does not offer salvation to the proud, the self-centered, and the conceited who reject his mercy and spurn his grace. Their disposition prevented them from believing, and those who will not believe will not be forgiven of their sins, will not be justified, and consequently will not receive everlasting life. Now we consider the Gentiles. God does offer salvation to those who are interested enough in justification before him and experiencing the life he offers that they will believe on Christ in order to receive it. Anderson translates the phrase in verse 48, As many as were determined to obtain eternal life believed. The Living Oracle says, As many as were disposed for eternal life believed. By their response to the word of God, the Gentiles showed that they were interested in what God was offering, and therefore they believed. This is in keeping with the reasoning of Paul in his letters, Romans 1, 16-17. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God in order to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, God's plan of justifying men by faith is revealed in order to produce faith. That is, when the gospel is preached and men learn that God will justify the one who believes in Jesus, if that person wants the justification of God, he is thereby moved to believe in Jesus. Galatians 2.16 speaks the same principle. Paul says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but 
by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. This is the idea in this passage. Some had a heart for what God was offering and accepted his conditions. Others did not and rejected them. Verse 49, And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region, but the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women, and the chief men of the city raised up a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. In some soil, the seed bore fruit. In other soil, it was choked out. The word of the Lord was being spread, but the strongholds of Satan fought back and opposed and expelled. It is noteworthy how this happened. The Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women. The language indicates that these were Gentile women who were God-fearers, and their husbands were the powerful men of the city, but they were unbelievers. Even godly and devout people can be used by the devil when they are deceived by wicked men who pretend to be righteous. This is very important to remember. Not all who become party to evil deeds are themselves evil, but all the same, because they were not discerning, they helped to generate a persecution that caused the preachers of the truth to be expelled from among them. The advance of the kingdom is not without losses. It is not that every soul will always respond. In the actual experience of the work, it will often appear that the losses outweigh and outnumber the victories. Three out of four soils ultimately reject the seed. And here the preachers are expelled. And the Bible says they shook off the dust from their feet against them. This was a prophetic sign act that was intended to give a public witness against the Jews of that city and those who supported them, that they had rejected hope and life in Christ, and had embraced judgment and destruction from the wrath of God. And Paul and Barnabas left and traveled sixty miles down the Via Sebaste and came to Iconium, where the next phase of their work would begin. But the opposition was not the only response, and the three-fourths rejection was not the only response to the sowing of the seed. There was good ground, and from the seed that fell on good ground, there was fruit. And Jesus said the fruit produced was some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some one hundred. Do you see that even though the rejection outweighed the reception at the beginning, the harvest outnumbered the rejection at the end? Yes, there was opposition, but first, The word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region, and there was fruit born. After the expulsion of the preachers, Luke revisits the disciples who remained and saw them in verse 53, filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. Certainly, we should see the miraculous manifestations of God's presence among them in this statement The Apostle Paul would have been able to lay hands on them and give them the supernatural gifts before he left. But really what Luke describes here is the fullness of the blessings and privileges of life in the kingdom. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 14, 17, The kingdom of God is righteousness, that is, justification, 
and the holiness it produces, and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Satan fought back, but the kingdom is spreading. Thanks for listening to Verse by Verse. I'm Clinton DeFrance. I'm a Christian Bible student and evangelist from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this podcast is made available by the Congregation of Christians, of which I am a member in East Tulsa. Please come meet us if you have the chance. You can learn more about us at our website, tulsachurchofchrist.com. Our music is from Andrew Martin, a very talented Christian brother in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas. You can check out his SoundCloud for more beautiful and uplifting productions from him. For news, articles, previous episodes, or to request a Bible study or a lecture series with me, visit vbvpodcast.com. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a good review if you enjoy the studies. God bless and have a great week. From all the dark places of earth, heathen races, oh, see how the thick shadows fly. The voice of salvation awakes every nation, come over and help us, they cry. The kingdom is spreading, oh, tell ye the story, God's better exalted shall be. The earth shall be full of his knowledge and glory as waters that cover the sea. With praising and singing and jubilant ringing, their arms of rebellion cast down. At last every nation, the Lord of salvation, with glory their effort shall crown. The kingdom is spreading, oh, tell ye the story, God's banner exalted shall be. The earth shall be full of his knowledge and glory as waters that cover the sea.